Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and videocast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of What's Going On. I'm Pastor Katie here at First United Methodist in Yankton, South Dakota, and I'm glad you could join me for this episode. Now, we are in the middle of a sermon series here at the church called Jesus Revealed, where we are going through the I am statements of Jesus. We're going to be doing this for six total weeks, even though there are seven I am statements. And I said at the very first week that we launched this series that I would take one of the podcast episodes to talk about the I am statement that I wouldn't talk about in worship. Um, The reason that we are doing six out of seven is basically because the book that we are taking this series from called Jesus Revealed by Reverend Matt Rawl also only covered six of the seven. Why he chose to do that, I don't know. Um, And so uh, that's what we're going to do today. If you haven't uh, caught the sermons that I've done so far, um, you can always go back to listen to the sermons or the whole uh, worship service, you can find those either on our website by clicking in the video archives portion of our live stream site through our website, or if you go to YouTube and search First United Methodist in Yankton, you'll find all of our service videos along with all of these podcast videos, uh, and you can watch them going back quite a ways. Uh, So the first week that we began this series, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And we talked about um, all the ways in which light um, has been used to describe and to talk about God. Uh, And then we talked about Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I really liked that um, sermon and that uh, chapter of the book in particular. And one of the things that I liked about it Um, I mean, I do like them because I write the sermons, but there's always things that for me are meaningful um, from when I'm researching and writing, but also from the experience of sharing the sermon because it takes on a life of its own when it's being shared. And the experience of gathering together in worship and really doing some meditation and prayerful reflection on the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd from Psalm 23, and really emphasizing each word and what that brings out in us, I thought was a really uh, wonderful shared moment in worship. Um, So that's something that really touched me. I put those things in not knowing how they're going to go. And so it's always a nice thing um, when it goes well. At least it went well for me, I should say. Uh, And then last week, we talked about when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and then tied that in with our practice of celebrating Holy Communion and receiving God's grace and love and life through uh, the bread and the grape juice for us. And so we've done three weeks. We've done, we are halfway through the series in the life of the church. And so I thought this was a good time to bring in the statement that we're not going to be covering during worship, and that is when Jesus says, I am the gate. So we've already had Jesus talking about being the good shepherd, and it can be a little bit confusing when Jesus used multiple metaphors that are sort of related to each other. How can Jesus be the gate if he's the good shepherd? Uh, How can he be two things at once at the same time in the same kind of realm? Um, And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. Now, I do want to give credit here that um, as I was thinking through this concept, um, one article that really kind of 
caught my attention uh, is from a website called journeywithjesus.net. And the article is entitled, I Am the Gate by Debbie Thomas. And this was posted a few years ago, um, but I just really enjoyed and I thought it was a really well done article. And maybe we can link it below, but I do, uh, I will be referencing this article in, in this podcast with you today. Now, one of the things I found interesting as I was thinking through, because again, I, and I think I've sh I shared this in the Good Shepherd sermon, this is not my area of expertise, shepherding. Um, I don't even know a shepherd personally. I do know a family that raised sheep, um, and sheep are not the brightest, I think, of the livestock. I would, I would say that people who uh, live with sheep would tell you that, and, you know, that's always kind of a... I don't know, blow to the ego when Jesus constantly compares us to sheep, that we are not the smartest animal. Um, but if you look at the history of humanity, thousands of years later, we're making the same mistakes. We're doing the same kinds of things over and over again, and we never seem to learn. So it's probably an apt metaphor. Um, and so we talked a bit in, in the sermon around Jesus as the good shepherd and the sheep know the shepherd and hear the shepherd's voice, follow the shepherd. The shepherd is living the sort of sacrificial life for the sheep, not only to protect us, but to um, be in relationship with us. So what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the gate? Well, I think the first thing we need to um, understand is kind of <laughs> what that looked like structurally um, at that time, because gates uh, at the time of Jesus were not metal, they were not made of wood, it wasn't wood fencing with a gate that, you know, had a latch on it like that. Um, rather, I'm going to, I'm going to take a moment, I'm going to share my screen uh, to show you what uh, this would have looked like at that time. So again, this is that article that I was referencing, I Am the Gate, Debbie Thomas posted in 2020. And if you can see here, I'll see if I can make it a little bit bigger. This is kind of what um, an artist's rendering of what it would have looked like at that time. So you see that the fence, rather than being made of wood or something, is actually made of stones that are piled up and the sheep are inside. And then we have over here one gate for the whole area where the, the pen is that the sheep are being kept. And... Um, it's open. The gate is open. And when the sheep need to be kept in, or if there is a predator around, uh, the shepherd will sit and block the gate. So there's no like um, mechanism. There's no door to the gate here. It's an open uh, part of the wall. And that the shepherd, when the time is that that the gate needs to be closed off, the shepherd himself is the one who stands in the way for the sheep's protection. And so Jesus is saying, I am the gate. Now, one of the things that I think can help us understand um, what Jesus is trying to draw our attention to is by looking at all of the things that Jesus didn't choose. So Jesus didn't choose the wall. Jesus didn't say, I am the wall that keeps the sheep in, or I am the wall that keeps the sheep out, or the, so that's interesting, right? How often are we um, building and erecting walls in order to try to protect ourselves, or to protect our churches, or to protect our gatherings from, 
you know, so that those who are in are in and those who we do not want to be a part are clearly not allowed in. How often do we create those walls, those boxes, those um, defenses, uh, because we feel like we need to protect ourselves or protect our churches or protect our children. Uh, and we use that kind of language. But Jesus is not not saying that that's what he identifies as. Jesus is not the wall. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the opening to the wall. Um, and so I think that's really fascinating that uh, Jesus doesn't identify as the barrier. Jesus identifies as the way in and the way out. Did you know that early Christians, before they were called Christians, were known as people of the way? And that Jesus, they understood Jesus to be the way to follow God, that through Christ, we find our freedom, we find our purpose, we find our value, we find eternal life. And the people who followed Jesus were called people of the way. And I think I like, in my mind, that connects with Jesus saying that he is the gate. Jesus is the way into the flock, and Jesus is the way out, uh, you know, pushing us out. Jesus says that those who come in through the gate will find life and find it abundantly, but also will go out and find pasture, that the gate um, is open. Again, that that it is to allow people in. It is, you know, so that those who want to come in to the fold have a way in, and that's Jesus, but also that the fold can go out and find abundant life and can go out and do uh, what they need to do, that they are not confined in, that they're not hemmed in, that they're not sheltered, but that um, it is it is a two-way street, that gate. That gate is come in and find your flock, find your people, but then also to be sent out. And that Jesus provides that way in and also provides that way out. Um, and so I think that's just an incredibly interesting image um, that Jesus is choosing um, of all of the things. So he's the shepherd. And it makes sense that you can also see the connection between Jesus being the shepherd and the gate, because the shepherd is the one who becomes the gate uh, when, when needed. When the, you know, the sheep are being threatened, it is the shepherd himself that makes it possible for the sheep to be saved, right? And that's the same for us, isn't it? That that the things that really threaten us, and it's not always the things that we think it is that threaten us, but truly our own propensity to sin, our own propensity to cause harm in our life and the life of those around us, our propensity for laziness and our propensity for selfishness and greed, um, that sin, that, that Jesus, when... <laughs> Jesus is the one that saves us from that, that can protect us from that, that can um, deliver us and free us from that kind of enemy. I think that so often is what we are bound to. Um, too often we look at outside things that we think that is the problem. That's what's going to bring me down. That's what's going to, you know, kill the church today. And when really what, what the problem is, is often internal. And often things that we haven't wrestled with ourselves or been honest with about ourselves. And so, again, Jesus stands in that doorway and, and says, 
I have given my life so that sin has no power over this person anymore, that that they are no longer bound to you, but they are bound to me. They are mine now. And so really standing in that gate to not let in those things that control us, to not let in those things that will devour us. And so often for so many of us, it's not outward things that will devour our lives, but our internal sin. Um the sin that we refuse to acknowledge, the sin that we refuse to say out loud, the sin that we refuse to see in ourselves, um, but are more than happy to see in other people. Um, that's what Jesus is trying to free us from and protect us from. And But so often those things try to come at us in any way that they can. And Jesus says that those things that come over the, the wall and not through the gate, those are thieves and robbers. And for me, I see those things as those messages that, um, you know, the only way that you can be provided for and fulfilled is if you if you do it yourself. The only person that cares about you is you. Um, so, you know, you got to go out into the world and make your way. And it doesn't matter who you step on to get there or that that there is a scarcity in this world. So we need to hoard as much as we can or that, you know, you deserve all of this stuff and, and nobody else um, matters but you. Uh, those kind of messages, those to me rob us of the life that God has intended for us. Those are the thieves and the robbers that that plant in us these deceptions um, that we too often believe, that we listen to those voices instead of the voice of the good shepherd, that too often those voices become seductive to us because they're voices that tell us that we deserve um, you know, all of the stuff that we want that, that, um, you know, it doesn't matter, um, if somebody else, uh, has a need, if we want something, it's, it's for us to have. And, you know, so again, I think too often we are looking for other people to be the enemies. We're looking for other things to be the enemies. And I think more often than not, um, the things that do us greatest harm are the voices and the ideas that we have allowed to become truth in our lives, that we have let um, set up residence in our head and that we follow without question, um, that have become the shepherds of our life, but yet they are there not to protect us and to give us life. They are there to destroy us. And so often those are the beliefs that we um, follow unquestioningly rather than knowing our good shepherd and following the one who can give us life and give it abundantly. So that's um, just some of my thoughts about uh, this passage. I do want to um, share a little bit uh, with you from, from this article, because again, I think it is really, really well done. Um, but I want to share the questions that are brought up for us to work, you know, think about together. And it says, maybe the questions we need to ask about this passage um, aren't these like questions that somehow decode the passage. Maybe they're personal. What is, what is it in me that resists the open gate? The gate is open. Why am I not walking in? Or why... Do I feel so afraid to walk out of the gate knowing that I have a good shepherd who's still walking with me? Why am I so afraid to leave the comfort 
of these four walls of the church, just like the comfort of the, the sheep pen, knowing that God is calling me out to pasture and that that true life and true abundance is when I go out to share the gospel. Uh, where in my life am I walled off, closed to change, adverse to movement, risk, freedom, and joy? And I think the question underlying that is, what am I so afraid of? Because fear keeps us um, silent. Fear keeps us hidden. Fear keeps us in our comfort zones. What am I afraid of that I can't open myself up to Christ? What flock do I belong to and whose voice do I follow most readily? This is the one that I that I really want you to think about. Am I following the voice of the good shepherd who has come through the gate and is the true leader and guide of my life? Or have I let some thief or robber with a contrary message who's come over the fence and whispered into my ear, have I let the truth of those words, or at least the seeming truth of those words, take up residence in my heart and in my mind? Am I shaping my life on the words of Christ who loves me, or am I shaping my life on the words of someone else who, who has made promises to me that they cannot keep? Um, I think that's a really valuable thing to reflect on. I think that's a really powerful thing. Does my life look like I follow the shepherd or does my life look like I follow someone else? Whose voice is the most important to me? Whose voice do I take as truth? Who do I listen to without doubting? Who do I listen to without questioning? Whose opinion matters the most to me? It might be interesting if you were truly honest with yourself, what the answer might be. What calls to me making seductive promises I shouldn't trust? The same idea. Do I know the shepherd well enough to recognize his call? Do I know God well enough to know when God is calling me and to trust that if God calls me, God equips me. I saw a video on social media recently of someone uh, reflecting on an idea. And I don't know how much I agree with it, but I, I found it provocative. And this person said um, that God doesn't call you to something that you could do on your own. That what God asks of you will require that you trust in God, that you will not be able to do it on your own merit, with your own skill, with your own abilities, but that God is going to ask you to do something where you have to rely on God for it. And I found that really fascinating. Um, I do think there is some level of uh, God does give you skills and abilities and passions, and I think sometimes our callings align with those, but even so, um, I think too often we limit what we are willing to do because we are so trained to think about, well, can I accomplish this? Do I have the ability to make this happen? Because if I don't, too many of us are risk averse and that if, if there's a good chance of failing, I don't want to do it. But this person was saying, God's going to call you to something that you will fail unless you rely on God, unless you trust God. And I don't know that they're wrong. I don't know that they're wrong. I, I would be curious to hear your thoughts on that as you dig into that. God is not going to call you to something 
that you can take credit for. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to, right? God is not going to ask you to do something that you can accomplish and succeed at on your own, that you can be like, hey, good job, self. Look at how awesome you are. Rather, God is going to ask you to do something, call you to something that you have to rely and trust in God for, because at the end of the day, who deserves credit? Is it you or is it God? Is it you who's made it happen or is it God who's made it happen, right? Stepping out of that gate into the pasture, into life abundance requires a trust that the shepherd is going to be there. When we're still in the pen, you know, there's a lot that we feel like we're we're protected from, but it takes a leap of faith to get out of the gate and to, and to do and to be whatever God has called us to be, trusting that the shepherd is still there. And trusting that Jesus wants us to be there. Jesus didn't call us and save us for us to sit in the pen. Jesus called and saved us so that we could go out and invite other people in. So that we could find life and find it abundantly. So that we could use this gift of our life for more than just uh, making sure that we have our own needs provided for. I'd be curious what your thoughts are on that. Uh, am I willing to leave the fold in order to find pasture, or am I too complacent, too scared, too suspicious, or too jaded to pursue abundant life? I really, again, that article really just hit home for me. Um, and, and just that image, again, that Jesus isn't the wall. Jesus isn't spending his time worrying about keeping people out and certain people in. Jesus is the one that provides a way through. Jesus is the way. He is the gate. He keeps it open. Are we doing that? Or are we putting a wall where Jesus put a gate? Are we putting up walls in our own lives, in our own churches, where Jesus has said, I'm not the wall? That's not what I'm here for. I'm the gate. It's not just an open door in the gate. There is no door. I I am the gate. I am the opening. I am the way through. I am inviting you in to this kind of life. And those of you who are in this kind of life, I am sending you out through the gate so that you can do something. Jesus said, I am the gate. How are we as the church living that out? How are we inviting people in? And how are we allowing ourselves to be sent out? Just some thoughts for you. Again, I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. You can comment them below on this video or you can let me know in worship. Um, or uh, again, we have some small group study opportunities uh, that that I want you to know about and be a part of. Uh, Sunday mornings, we have a women's group that meets uh, prior to worship. Starting October 1st, which is a Sunday this year, um, I'm going to be offering um, a Christianity 101 course uh, at 8.30s on Sunday morning. So come to the class and then attend worship after. Um, and this in particular uh, has come about because 
we have a lot of adults that come through our confirmation program as mentors. And I love having mentors uh, in the confirmation room, in the confirmation class. Uh, they are an incredible addition. Having adults that are invested in the lives of our youth are incredible things. And so first of all, shout out to anybody who's been a confirmation mentor. Uh, the work you do matters. And I am grateful for each and every one of you. But one of the comments that I've gotten over the years from mentors, even if they grew up Methodist, even if they, you know, we call them credo Methodists. I am not a credo Methodist. Uh, remember, I came into the Methodist church later in life, uh, not that much later in life because I'm not that old yet. Although my husband referenced me being 40 and I'm like, I'm not 40. Who do you think you are? <sighs> anyway, um, even people who grew up and went through confirmation, uh, what they tell me is, one, I don't remember learning this, which isn't to say that they didn't learn it, but we all know that confirmation age students, their attention span is not always there, uh, or it's been so long that I don't remember a lot of this. And so often, I, I think there's so many people in our church that the last time they really did any sort of um study around what we believe as Christians, especially in the Wesleyan way that we are as United Methodists, probably was confirmation. And so this class is for anyone who is new, newer to the faith, newer to our uh, stream of Christianity, or could use a refresher because they can't remember the last time that they, they learned about theological topics and talked about things like, I don't know, the Trinity, about um, salvation, about the Wesleyan quadrilateral, about um, hermeneutics. I mean, if these are words that you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about, hey, maybe this class is for you. Um, and so it's going to be called Christianity 101. It's really open for everybody. Um, again, keep in mind that it's, um, we're going to be going over the basics and we're going to just have opportunity to discuss things. I'm going to be talking about theological things. So we're going to talk about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, and those kind of topics. I'm also going to be talking about the church and the history of the church, and especially how the Methodist tradition came to be and how the United Methodist Church came to be. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our polity. If that's a word you don't know, that's okay, but you can come to class and learn about it. And that is Maybe you've been a part of this church for a little while and you're like, this church does not work like any church I've ever been in. Well, yeah, there's a reason for that. We have a different kind of polity and polity just means our structure. So not only the local church structure and understanding that, but understanding how we're connected to every other United Methodist church in the world. Um, and so talking a little bit about our system and things like that. So it's a great opportunity. One, if you don't feel super plugged in or like you know that many other people, get in a small group. This is the best way to do that because you get opportunity to hear from other people, to gather together, and then, hey, you start to get to know some people, which is pretty cool. So that is starting October 1st. I still have my Love and Chaos series happening uh, Tuesdays at noon and Wednesdays at 7. You are welcome to come. Um, it is also on Right Now Media if you want to like get caught up. I think this week, uh, this coming Tuesday will be week two. Um, and then this coming Wednesday is week three. Uh, or we can do week two, honestly. I'm pretty flexible about that. So 
if that's something you're interested in and you're just like, I just haven't been able to make it or I wanted to go and then I chickened out, come. I promise I'm nice. And I'm in a room where there are, there is candy. And so if that would help you, there you go. Um, also know that we have Bibles and brews happening every other week down at Ben's Brewery. So, you know, you can get plugged in with them. I think they're doing, uh, they they have about 12 people that are coming so far, which is amazing. Um, and I know that they're going to be digging into the topic of healing and not like so much like, um, come forward, we're going to pray over you and now your leg isn't broken anymore kind of healing, but more like the healing of of hurt and of maybe some trauma or Unfortunately, there's there's times where um, people get hurt in the church or by the church or by the people of the church, and maybe not intentionally, unfortunately, sometimes intentionally, um, and there needs to be healing from that. And so that's a great, I know, I think that's one of their next topics. So if that's you or if that speaks to you, um, I do not get to go to that. That is a space that the pastor is not there, but the pastor is praying for all of you. Um, that's led by Carla Hummel, who is our missions coordinator. Speaking of Carla and the wonderful things that she does, um, we have loads of love coming up that we're going to be needing volunteers for. They're switching their hours. And so it's only going to be from four to six. There's no later shift. So only four to six. But we are looking for a larger number of volunteers um, because it is a bit busy from four to six. And so the more people we have, the easier it is to manage. And um yeah, so that's happening. And then at the end of the month on the 24th, I believe, and let me make sure I'm right on that. Yep. Sunday, the 24th, uh, we are going to be having a chili cook-off after worship. And so plan to stay. Uh, and if you make chili, we'd love to have you make a pot of chili to be as part of the competition. Maybe you'll find out that your chili is amazing and the best chili in the whole church. And then you get bragging rights, which I mean, come on. So now what we all want, <laughs> um, there's going to be cinnamon rolls. There's going to be some desserts available. And there's also going to be a silent auction that day running at the same time. All of the proceeds from the chili cook-off and the silent auction are going to be going directly to the missions of the church. And that includes things like loads of love, includes things like the banquet, like angel tree, sweetheart tree, and so much more. And so um, you're going to be voting for the chili cook-off with your money. So make sure you come that day, maybe with, you know, some dollars, some dollar bills, check blanks. Uh, hey, we even have a kiosk. So if you forget to do that, you can actually um, put your card in and get a little slip that says, hey, I'm going to put so much money toward this chili. And be prepared to support your favorite chili, um, whatever that one is. Uh, of course, it's going to be mine, right? Also, um, things are gearing up for the soup kitchen that's happening in October, October 24th. This is going to be easy to remember. September 24th, chili cook-off. October 24th, soup kitchen. And so get that on your calendar. Again, we're going to be needing every all hands on deck to make that happen. Uh, we need to maintain our reputation as the best soup kitchen in Yankton. And so let's make that happen. Um, if you are interested in helping, please talk to Lydia Gaziski or Susan Shavy, because uh, they are taking the reins this year and we are so grateful to them. But there's lots of things happening. Don't forget 605 is up and running. Confirmation is up and running. Youth group just all kinds of things. Men's breakfast on Thursday mornings over at Frying Pan. 
lots of good things happening. And so with that, I hope that you take that time to reflect, to hear the voice of your shepherd, and to see that Jesus is not the wall. He's the way. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of What's Going On. We'd love to have you join us for worship here at the church on Sundays at 10 a.m. You can also find us online via our website at firstumcyankton.org or search for us on YouTube.